and welcome to another episode of the 905er and the Thursday Roundup uh, with me, Roland Tanner. I am Joel McLeod. And today we've got a couple of stories uh, involving, well, a bunch of people. In fact, both involving former leaders of the of the of the PC party. Interestingly enough, but anyway, the first one is uh, Patrick Brown, who is currently the uh, mayor of Brampton. And well, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in Brampton, and potentially some interesting stuff going on nationally with Patrick Brown. So, Joel, what's the latest with, uh, yeah, with our uh, favorite mayor? Uh, he's somebody's so the rumor mill is that sometime this week Patrick Brown is going to announce formally uh, that he is going to be running to uh, replace Aaron O'Toole as leader of the federal conservative party yeah it's kind of shocking to me that you know it that Patrick Brown would leap to the federal scene it just seems to be a bit of a kind of leapfrog of let's jump from let's jump from progressive or sorry provincial leader of the of the provincial party got in trouble there so i'll go jump in i'll settle my my boots in the municipal waters for a term or two and then oh hey i got this opportunity i'm going to go jump back into the federal federal scene whether or not he'll be successful i have no idea i think the federal conservative party is a mess right now so his chances are probably fairly decent if he just works the uh works it what i find more interesting is the fact that he's leaving a bit of a mess behind in brampton to say to say the least yeah i mean the all the news out of brampton lately is to do with patrick brown's management slash mismanagement alleged mismanagement of um of brampton city hall um the firing of the chief executive uh, david barrack uh, the cancellation this week in in what was apparently a highly contentious and colourful council meeting, uh, the cancellation of, of Brown's vaunted uh, project to bring a university to Brampton. And the city spent a whole bunch of money, twice as much money as the council had actually said it could spend um, on doing some various preliminary studies on the university before they worked out that actually there ain't no university coming to Brampton anytime soon, uh, which a lot of people probably could have um, told them before they even mm. uh, got out the door. But I mean, uh, if you, anybody wanted to listen to this week's uh, edition of the Pointers uh, podcast, which is called What's the Point? Um, we'll hear far more detail um, on the full background of that story. But, you know, you can agree with the Pointers perspective or not, and they're certainly extremely critical of Brown. You know, even if you take that out of the equation, Brown's been mayor of Brampton for three years, three and a bit years, and it was like, how insulting is it for someone to run run for mayor of Brampton as as his third choice after getting mm-hmm. booted out of the PCs, and then having uh, Doug Ford take away the the region of chair, uh, not region of chair, region appeal chair from him, which was meant to be elected, and taking that away in a, in an act of spite. So his third choice was Brampton City Hall. And as soon as he can get his uh, self out of Brampton and, and uh, you know, on a job that he obviously thinks is more suitable to his abilities, um, he's out of town. So it's incredibly insulting. Plus the fact that while he's been in Brampton, he's made a huge dog's breakfast of it, as far as I can see. You know, he hired people he well, shouldn't have been hiring who were already under clouds. He you know, had this crazy university project, which I think I mentioned before, You know, the number of cities, uh, small cities, which have... You know, and the mayor has their university project because they want to be a big grown-up city, which go nowhere very fast. And you know, you end up with a with a couple of uh, institutes or something stuck away on a highway. Um, 
adds very little to the city. Um, you know, it, it's 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 empire building and, and legacy what, building of the, of the worst kind. What, right? what? Well, yeah. I mean, the the problem with this is the fact that he's he hasn't he hasn't answered for these these questions to the people. I mean, he there. He maybe he's completely justified. Maybe he 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 made the the best calls that he made. Maybe maybe that's the case. Uh, maybe all the uh, assumptions of him of the nepotism and and cronyism and all that stuff. Maybe it is completely overblown and and what have you. But here's the thing: uh, he hasn't answered to the people for it. He hasn't gone back to the people of Brampton and said, "I want another term as your mayor. I want I I want your." Your blessing, so to speak, as mayor, to continue with my my plan. Um, it it strikes me as completely opportunistic. To yeah, I mean, his third third choice wasn't. The, he's not even from Brampton. That's the thing. You know, originally he's from uh, Barrie, uh, Midland, uh, that that part of the province, and he you know all all those all the elected jobs there were all already taken. So I'm gonna go. A buddy says I can go run in Brampton. And he does, and he wins. Great, wonderful, but and this was something you and I I mentioned to you uh, before we hit record was that he's he, Patrick Brown has never faced the consequences of any scandals in his career, which I think is is telling. Like you 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 love him or hate him, you're looking at Justin Trudeau. He has faced scandals and he has gone back to the people time and time again and say, elect me. Uh, you know, elect the Liberal Party and put me in charge of things, and the people have have answered and said, "Okay, we will." You can agree with it or not, but those are the facts. You know, Justin Trudeau had had the infamous blackface scandal uh, and, and allegations of misconduct uh, with a, a female female reporter out in BC that were not, in some people's minds, that that's they weren't resolved adequately, and that's true. However, he did face to the he did go to the people in an election and say. Give me another another shot, and the people did answer and say yes, we will. Again, you don't have to like it or, or or love it, but those are the facts, and you can't dispute them. Patrick Brown has never gone to the people and say, "Judge me for my scandals. I will face I will face the public uh, 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 court, you know, the pu- public judgment." He wins the provincial leadership and go, and it comes out uh, pretty much on the eve of the provincial election. Very publicly, and he's forced to resign by his own party, and that's how we got Doug Ford. He's never had to go and face, go to the people of Ontario and say, "Judge me on that." I will stand by my record, and you, you, you judge me on that. He's never, never had a, had the opportunity to do that. Um, now he's, we actually have an actual, quite possibly a, a question of financial malfeasance at Brampton City Hall. That's still to be proven or disproven, but um, that that the people won't have a chance to to say, "Well." We'll judge you on it. This is there's something very troubling about it as a, a character of a person who, the minute they get into a, a, a you know a, a bit of hot water, a, a sticky mess, uh, they they don't answer for it either. To me, it's a sign. It's a sign of guilt uh, that you're not willing to face the consequences of your action. Perhaps. Um, I mean, I think I think you know. To be fair to um, Patrick Brown, he might. Well, say that given the chance, he would have defended himself at an election as leader of the PCs, uh, but his own party wouldn't let him. Um, now he resigned. Sure, uh, I think there are some people would say wasn't really a, a resignation that was freely made. It was it was you know 
uh, it was more of a of a palace coup than a, than a resignation uh, in a lot of ways. Um, but it's certainly true that he seems to um, skip. To, <laughs> he, he, you know, he's his interest in. Well, I, I would just put it this way. Let's just put it this way: that if I was a citizen of Brampton, I would be feeling pretty cheesed off right now, and I would feel pretty kind of conned. Um, that it's like, okay, if you're going to run for mayor of the city um, uh, as a last minute choice. Uh, you know, have the decency to stick around for at least a term before you before you try and get uh, hired uh, at another job. I mean, does he have much chance um, with the piece, with the uh, CPC in their current state? Seems to me like he'd be very much a, a second kick at the can of Erin O'Toole. That what Erin O'Toole did with the CPC was exactly what Patrick Brown tried to do with the PCs, which, which was to sort of well, there's, take there's them to the left, having uh, won by going to I- the right. Abacus uh, uh, polling uh, released a, their preliminary uh, research on potential uh, running mate or uh, candidates. Uh, no surprise, uh, Pierre Poilievre is leading the, leading the pack amongst identified conservatives. With a Jean Charest as a as a bit of a, a distant second. Um, the battle for third place is between Patrick Brown and Leslin Lewis at the at the moment. Now, you know it's. Numbers don't mean anything. I just, I, I find, I, I, it just, it, there's something about the situation of, you're, you're, you aren't leaving. It's not as if you can say, I've, I, I served a full term in Brampton. I've, I've, I've done my, I've left, I've done my, my work. I've done, I've left it how I wanted to, to be, and I am moving on to better pasture. That's, that's fine. That's been done before, but that's not the case. Like, it, it, it what he wanted to do is the fact that he wanted to bring a university to Brampton. That's. Right now, it's a failure. If he leaves, if he resigns now to run, it's a it's a failure. Um, and the important thing, which I think we can, so yeah, just to explain to people a little bit more about what what's been going on at Brampton, uh, as I understand it, via the the pointers, uh, excellent um, you know, investigative journalism, basically that they've been doing for for the last three years. When you see how things have been done under David Barrick, as as Patrick Brown's kind of man uh at city hall if you like uh as as a, as a city manager who traditionally has the most power on a day-to-day basis as as the chief executive of a city um what you see is everything happening backwards you know it's like so city halls don't work like uh government like like the provisional government or the federal government um that they, they the power lies with staff, but they have to get permission from from council. Uh, whereas you have, you know, if you have a, a, the cabinet or the, um, uh, well, yeah, the, the the government and the cabinet at, at other levels of government have huge discretionary power to do what they want. Having won the election, they don't have to go to parliament each time they want to write a check. You kind of do it at council level. Um, so if, if council says you've got five hundred thousand dollars to spend or two hundred fifty thousand dollars to spend on this, you can't then go and spend five hundred. You can't do that. That's against the law, as far as I understand it. Um, so you know, it's very dubious that things were being done before council had even met. Things were checks were being written before uh, they had been. Uh, uh, given the permission by council, everything had been done backwards, which A, just shows the complete contempt that was that was held by Mr. Barrick, apparently, for, uh, and by implication, Mayor Brown, for the way that City Hall works. I mean, either complete contempt or complete ignorance. I mean, it could be either. It could be that they're just that stupid. That they didn't actually know how City Hall is supposed to work and that it is fundamentally different from provincial and federal politics. Um, 
perhaps we'll give them that that uh, the benefit of the doubt maybe but but it, that just means they're idiots not that they're corrupt um either, either way it's a, it's something that the people of Brampton should have a uh, a chance to voice their opinion on if they want to say no we'll give you you know we'll, we'll everybody makes mistakes and mayor brown will give you another shot that's the prerogative of the people of Brampton they're not going to get that opportunity and there's something about that that is um well, they may get it if that, assuming uh, uh, Mr. Brown loses the leadership. <laughs> well, I, but I, the question is, if you know, how how does he run for leadership and be mayor of Brampton? I, if I was him, I'd say no. You're you're resigning as mayor so you can go campaign around the country uh, to conservative writings. I mean, true, you got yeah. you're you're gonna have to you're gonna have to go out to Saskatchewan and Alberta to start um to start drumming up support there. You know, Pierre has done a a stellar job right now going across the country he was last in saskatchewan i saw um so how, how are you going to become mayor do your duties as mayor and decide oh i'm going to go walk through uh, the wheat fields of saskatchewan, uh, saskatchewan i have no idea um it's just it's 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 a very i think it's this is a very careless plan by by patrick brown and it's something that he ultimately i think he's going to come back and it's going to bite him in the in the behind but Time will tell. Yeah. It's certainly, uh, if it ends in the next year or so, his career will be a real footnote of underachievement in so many different, so many different levels of government. I mean, we forget that he started, he was municipal, then federal, then provincial, then municipal again. Uh, now he wants to be federal again. I mean, uh, every level and, and achieving nothing, each one of them, apart from from chaos. Uh, when when we look at uh, Brampton, and um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's you know certainly a highly divided and unhappy council, which is never a good thing, um, um, at the very least. But but you know, serious indications that things were not being run properly at City Hall um, by the people that Brown brought in to be his in inverted commas, his cabinet to run a cabinet style government at, in a, in a uh, city municipality, which you can't, you can kind of get away with in Toronto, but you can't get away with anywhere else. All right, let's take a break and we'll come back after this uh, message from our sponsor. And we're back. Uh, so you may have picked up our last episode on uh Tuesday just passed. We had mayor uh, John Taylor from Newmarket on to discuss uh, the the small <clears throat> excuse me the small urban GTHA mayor's uh, response to the Ontario Housing Affordability Task Force. Um, yeah, this has apparently uh, ruffled some feathers <laughs> uh, in the nine hundred five. Uh, uh, surprisingly, um, we've had we've had r- reports that we 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 didn't do a good, we didn't hold uh, Mayor Taylor uh, feet to the fire, so to speak, and that he you know his. Uh, his opinion is off uh, about the, the 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 report, and that this is uh, we we just we completely dropped the ball apparently as uh, as reporters in the in the nine oh five. I think we disagree. I, I'd like to uh, point out that well, <laughs> you disagree on one hand. On the other hand, no one's paying us right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're doing this for the love of it, and a tiny tiny bit of Patreon money that is just paying for the emails. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we do our best. So we're not going to claim always to be perfect. However, um, the specific point that someone um, took uh, uh, exception to um, 
it was forwarded on to us. Uh, and, you know, uh, the person said that they would like us to hear this. So we, we've heard it and we'll respond to it. Uh, and that was in particular the, the, the claim by the small urban mayors and by Mayor Taylor that um, nobody was uh, nobody other than developers was consulted um, as part of this process. Now, um, we've gone back to and, and the fact that we didn't kind of call him on that. Well, our kind of source for this is is the task force uh, report itself. And the task force report does talk about consultation a few times. It talks about consultation in two ways. The first is consultation done at municipal level, which it universally suggests is a bad thing and should be got rid of. Um, and, and I'm not really overstating that. It, it says, you know, basically consultation on development needs to be curtailed to extreme levels. Um uh, because of the 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 NIMBY problem, as it, as it is called, and then it also talks about it mentions at various points in the vaguest terms possible the consultations that the task force itself did. Uh, I can't find any mention anywhere of who was consulted, when they were consulted, how long, um, how the consultations, you know, how the evidence collected through those consultations was used. But the, the task force report is not a particularly heavy duty um thing it's 33 pages long it's got a page of references um it, it you know whatever consultations they did which you know they say they did them there's no evidence that i can see that, that anyone who's consulted. So, so if they consulted anybody in municipalities it's news to me because it's not in the report now um the other thing is that we've also got i mean how many signatories to the small urban mayor's uh, letter they all claim in their letter that, that they weren't consulted. So I there's, don't know. Maybe they're all liars. I can't tell. But, there's, you know. thir there's 13 uh, uh, or, or members of the small urban GTA AJ mayor's response. Now, you know, that's 13 is not a small – like and we're talking about municipalities. We're not talking just 13 people. This is 13 municipalities who have issued uh, – that they have uh, they have issues with, with this report. And to me – their issues. I mean, I'll be honest. I think their issues do have some some merit. And at the very least, it's the fact that they didn't feel that they were consulted. They didn't feel that they had a seat at the table when this document was drafted. When this, when they the the task force was sent to write it up, these guys are saying we weren't there. We were not there to say to consultation. Consultation is different than being part of drafting the report. You know. You can consult and say, "Yeah, I ask you, I ask you a question, Roland. If I don't care what your answer is, or if I'm not writing it down, or I don't care, am I really consulting you? Technically, yeah, but is it just is it just for show? There's a difference between actually saying, "No, I want you at the table because I want you to, I, I need to hear what you have to say because we're gonna have to formulate a plan, and I need I need you to buy into it yeah. because I, ultimately, I mean, at the end of the day, just... well, I was just gonna say at, at the end of the day, I mean, this report is basically saying." Um, we need to bypass a lot of municipalities that might have issues with development. Now, right, right or wrong, that's that's the, that's the thing. Is like, it, municipalities are a democracy. You know, we elect we elect our municipalities. If you don't like them, elect a new one. Um, convince people that you're right. Get and elect a new one. It, and this is ultimately the problem with with the whole NIMBY thing, and we'll come on to that in more detail. But the problem with it's like no other walk of life do we say that people's opinions shouldn't count. Um, because you know our kind of view of democracy is that is that if you can get the bodies, then you win, um, rightly or wrongly. And and God knows there's a lot of wrongly that I've experienced during my life of people who've won democratic elections and done things that I found objectionable. So you know. 
that's those are the knocks you, you take. Uh, sometimes you lose, uh, and I mean, as at the point I made during during the interview, and I you know I would I would love someone to prove me wrong on this one, but whenever we talk about NIMBYs uh, stopping developments, it's like show me the NIMBY group that stopped anything significant. It, yeah. Certainly in 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 the towns that I know of, uh, which are admittedly primarily we're talking about Halton and Hamilton. Uh, how often we've got citizens lining up saying, please build next to me. So there's one thing. And in Burlington, certainly there was a group that many people uh, are accused of being a NIMBY group. I was involved with them briefly after after the kind of period where people were most worked up about them. Um, uh, uh, and it's like that group, which attracted so much hostility and so much uh, heat, didn't stop anything ever anywhere it didn't hold up a single development for a single day. Uh, it made a lot of people's opinions very clear. It may have had an effect on the municipal election, but it did not hurt or delay or harm a development in Burlington for a single moment. Uh, and it's like all this talk about NIMBYs sort of ignores that huge point. That it's like, well, the NIMBYs hardly ever win. <laughs> and if they do, well, they've probably been well enough organized that they maybe deserve to. Here, here's the thing that gets me with the, the report. I mean, the, the report, to paraphrase, is basically saying, no, we need to build, build, build uh, to meet meet a demand demand for, for housing. And you and I have had, had people on that we've discussed this. And yes, that is a factor. We need to, we need to develop more affordable housing uh, for people. Um, this report doesn't really t really emphasize the affordable part. It's just it's, it's taking the market approach of well, if we just build more, will the market will sort itself out. Um, and I, I, I feel like that's a, that's kind of like half, yeah, and I feel like that's kind of half the story because the market kind of got us into this problem. Um, we just assumed that the market would would solve it, and the market didn't. The mar the the market didn't keep up with demand. The market didn't really. There, there really is no such thing as a free market when it comes to housing supply in this province. It, it's so, so much regulation and, and jurisdiction overlap and oversight and, and and financing and whatnot. It's just it's it's that's not how it works. But this report likes to think that it, that's how it works. What gets me well, about and it, the, but I just want, sorry I, I just want to finish this one point. What gets me about this report is it it doesn't address the affordable the the affordable part of it. Like there's no talk of uh, there's no talk of, of repurposing uh, existing, you know, or, or you know, there's no talk of repurposing existing uh, land for uh, affordable housing. There's no, there's no talk of rent control. There's no talk of socialized housing. Uh, um, you know, municipally owned housing corporations empowering them a bit. You know, there's no ideas like that. It's simply let's just build more, and whenever there is a Municipal red tape, whatever the you know the thing. Uh, one line that got me was the eliminating the the ability for municipalities to preserve heritage sites because you know those those old homes of the founding people of your town. Well, either we should be able to sell those to private private citizens, or we should just tear them down and build a, a condo tower on it. I'm not I'm not okay with that. Uh, and the I mean the the people taking issue with us on on uh, I think it's a Discord server somewhere I don't actually know which one was passed on to us by someone, um and, you know what uh, we we really appreciate people a listening and if the, if we're making you angry and, and causing debate that's awesome so don't take us the wrong way. However, I, I think my, my impression is that this is a, a group of people who are, are 
very much uh, well, call themselves urbanists, pro pro urban walkable communities, all that good stuff, which I also would say I am one hundred percent behind. Um, and I I feel that you know just as everything is so polarized these days, we're heading into this polarization over over how urban planning should be done. That either you you uh, you think basically anyone who lives in a single family home is a jerk and deserves to whatever's coming to them. Uh, and uh, you know a four-story building next door, so be it. Uh, if that's the price it is for for building more affordable housing or more rental accommodation or whatever, or uh, or you're a developer or you're the you're the axis of evil that just wants to support the NIMBYs and whatever. It's like no, I, I refuse to be put into either of those damn camps. That's not how I. I think there should be far more density that is available in, in those single-family neighborhoods. Absolutely now. Was was Mayor uh, uh, Mayor Taylor uh, less enthusiastic about that than I am? Absolutely, but he's a mayor and he has to answer to 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 his constituency in a different way than I do. Um, but you know the the fact that um, he's basically saying you know uh, what's being suggested here it has some good things in it. Everybody agrees about where we want to be, which is like more housing, more affordable housing. Um, and more density and less sprawl. Like everybody agrees about those things. I mean, what what other things in Ontario does everybody agree about than those? I mean, everybody's on the same page, and yet everybody is convinced that the other the other side of this debate is a, are a bunch of blithering idiots. <laughs> no, we we can say that we want more more housing and more density in single family home neighbourhoods without saying just take all the rules away and let the developers do what the hell they want. I mean, that's that, to my mind, that's going from one extreme to another extreme, and it will just, A, it will never happen because no party will pass it, um, uh, but, but, but B, it would, it, you know, see, talk about the law of unintended consequences, you know, you will have so many unintended consequences from, from that kind of uh, 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 thing. Uh, well, so, you know, let's get away from this kind of thing, whereas like, unless you're 100% in support of A, you're against a it's like no i you know i don't accept that 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 no we but what we i think what we've been advocating for on this podcast has been more smarter development that we do we do need uh denser living spaces we need to we need to have that flexibility of you know we, we said the one thing good we both said it was good out of the report was the the permitting of uh duplex triplex and four-story uh structures which is a, a good way to Put more families, and that, that's the thing is that you don't know, put like single family single family units into like a four story uh, uh, structure is might be the way to go. Um, that was good, but you know there, there's so many other ways to, to really approach this. Like you know we've we've said like you know how do you, how do you make it a more uh, egalitarian or, or utilitarian uh, purpose? You know we we need living space you need you know, how, where are you going to put those public parks and or 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 the amenities to life with the restaurants and, and all that and just saying oh just have a a single uh you know the the, the first floor has to be for commercial use it, it, it no like we, we could do better we, we can just do better and actually imagine cities and and communities that are built for the 21st century that you know things of public wi-fi public spaces that are communal spaces more um uh, you know, more more socialized housing, not in specific neighborhoods, but in all neighborhoods, so that the the those who need the help are are able to get plugged into uh, the social pipeline. The, these are these are things that we need to start thinking about. And my issue with this report is that it 
sidelines all that. It is it is laser focused on development, 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 build, build, build. That's going to get us out of it. And I say it's a part of it. It's one one arrow in your quiver, but you need to you, you need to look at it holistically because just building a all, all we're going to do is you're going to build, build, build. You're going to build some units that are still going to cost a million dollars for a, for a family of four to move into. Ultimately, this report is incredibly superficial. And like I say, it's 33 pages long. I mean, you, you, you couldn't, you couldn't, um, you couldn't open a sweetie shop or a candy store <laughs> in a municipality with a 33-page document. You'd need about 330. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I mean, this is not a detailed document. This is not a thesis. This is a leaflet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and let's just look again at the people who actually sat on this thing and, and who don't mention who they consulted, but who claim they did. So Lalit Agarwal, uh, president of Manor Park Holdings, real estate development firm, developer. David Ramborski, professional urban planner, professor at Ryerson University, so academic. So one developer, one academic. Andrew Garrett, real estate executive responsible for growing IMCO's 11 plus billion global real estate. So development industry. Tim Hudak, CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association, uh, development industry. Jake Lawrence, uh, CEO of Group Head Global Banking Markets, a banker. So academic banker, rest of developers. Uh, Julie DiLorenzo, um, Self-employed, runs female-run real estate development company and one of the largest in North America, developer. Justin Marchand is METI, uh, CEO of Aboriginal Housing Services. Well, okay, so not not a developer as far as I can see, but involved in housing, okay, maybe that's okay. Uh, Ian Underwood, CEO of Habitat for Humanity, which the mayor mentioned. Um, so there's, there's your kind of non-developer there. And then we have uh, David Dave Wilkes, who is the president and CEO of the Building Industry and Land Development Association of GTA Build, which is one of the most vocal um, pro-developer organizations you can find. Uh, you know, are you telling me this is balanced? Are you telling me that this that that, mm. that the municipal voice had had a serious kind of uh, uh, role in this? No, don't don't pull the other leg; it's got bells on. You know, it's 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 this this is a this is a task force built to give a specific. A specific answer, and it got it in thirty-three short pages. Uh, um, you know, I, I am hugely I, in favour of completely redoing the way we do development in this province. I would take the Planning Act, rip it up, and start over. Look at what's done in other parts of the world. I would be all in favour of that. This is just superficial, stupid nonsense with a couple of good buzzwords in. You know, such as ultimately, yeah, it's good that we're talking about. Um, you know. Um, gentle density in single-family home neighborhoods. I'm really glad to see that. I think that's a, that's a good step. Uh, but all the other stuff, I mean, t- taking away the virtually non-existent protections we have on heritage properties in this in this province, I mean, it, it, mm-hmm. it's crazy. This is no way to to create legislation. Rant over. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I'll leave it at that. Um, but you know what? If, if you're listening and you do have an issue with the way that we but we did this story or or the way that we cover development in in general. You know what? Send us an email, info at 905er.ca or tweet to us at uh, the 905er and, and let us know. I'm I'm gen- genuinely curious to you know the other side. We, we we it's a contentious issue and we there's a lot of pressure coming from all sides on this to uh, to get it right. Um I think our our editorial opinion on this is that this report just it it wanted it wanted a justification to just build 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 and that's what this report gives and 
it's a it's an important part of it. We need to we do need to build more, but we need more a, a more dynamic and a, more outside the box thinking on this than just. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if if, uh, if I could just put one final thing uh, in, you know, it's like if if you're if you're an urbanist, if you you want those walkable communities, if you want those non-car dependent communities with with dense housing and townhouses and, and on three, four-story uh, apartment buildings or, and plenty of affordable housing, all these great things. You know, don't see what the one one small detail of something that you like the sound of in a report and think that therefore the report is good. Um, You've got to demand more than that, you know, and, and just simple, uh, simple across-the-board solutions. You know, again, the law of unintended consequences, when you have simple across-the-board legislation you get simple chaos very often because you haven't thought far enough down the line to think how is this actually going to play out in reality how is this going to affect all these other things we need something much more much bigger much more dramatic ultimately much more radical than this document um, um, if we're going to get planning right in in uh, in this province hey, you know what on that note let's call it a call it a night Roland, and uh, put this one in the can for uh, for publication. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our defense of our our, our episodes. Uh, and if you do you have any questions, let us know. Uh, until then, we'll talk to you next Tuesday. Take care, everyone. Bye bye. Bye. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.